much, Sister Jane. We appreciate that. Actually, we shared a little bit the other day about the direction that she was going in, and it was sounding a lot of the direction that I, too, had a feeling that God was leading. And I want to share that with you today. Found in the book of John. I think it's John. No, it ain't. Where is it? Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Here it is. In the book of Luke, I want to share a verse of scripture with you that doesn't sound a bit more like the topic I've chosen than than anything, but it will lead us in a direction I think we need to go today as we think about God's will for our lives and how we respond to his call that he makes to us every day of our lives. And as we begin, I want you to find that place, which is Luke 11, 28. And I'd like for you to stand for the reading of them, that special little verse. Notice all but three words are written in red. So take notice of what Jesus has said. Yea, rather, or but he said, yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Definitely two directives for our lives there in that little verse. Would you bow with us in a word of prayer? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you today for this time of worship, a time, Lord, that we can just pause in life and just settle into your presence and just hear you speak to our hearts. Lord, we ask you to be with us as we hear you explain your verses from the Bible as you would have us to hear today, as you'd have us to apply it to our lives to be more of what you want us to be than ever before. Give me strength, Lord, to share that special message you've laid on my heart. In your precious name we pray, amen. Maybe may be seated. <clears throat> Did you know that you already know what God's will is for your life? I hear people and I've been guilty saying, I'm not sure what God wants me to do or what his will is in my life, but I'm surely not in the Bible enough because the Bible makes it very plain and if you would turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, I want to share with you why that you already know God's will in your life today. And you'll find in those verses that we are to be joyful, that we are to pray, and that we are to be thankful. That alone will describe the Christian life and how it ought to be as we come under the realms of God's guiding light and he shows us what he wants in our lives. That's what he wants. Now it goes on to say other things and the the list is longer than that. But I believe that we can take these three things and really realize that they are the main parts of God's will for every one of us. So today I want you to pause with me as we look at more of the Bible to share with you what I believe that Jesus referred to in the verse that I shared with you a moment ago. How that we are to not only hear the word of God, but respond to it. And there's vast difference in that. And sometimes when we yield to temptation, we divide that special truth and go in a direction God doesn't want us to go in. I want you to go back with me for just a little bit. Back in the very beginning of the Bible, in chapter 3 of the book of Genesis, And I want to share with you about the first lady. Now, that's not the wife of the president. That's the lady of the first creation 
of this world, and that lady's name was Eve. Eve was a person who is somewhat like you and I today. Have you ever heard the saying, if I could just hear it from the horse's mouth? I'm not sure where that came from, because other than Mr. Ed, I never heard a horse talk. I've seen them act pretty much like they know what you want to do or what they want to do, and it's not what you want always because you'll end up off of them and on the ground. I've been there too. But as we think about Eve's direction for her life as it came about, and one of the things we need to get the story in a perspective is the fact that when God told Adam that he could eat of the fruit of the, fruit of the garden, but he could not eat of the tree of, of good and evil, Now, Adam was told that even before the creation of Eve. And so as we look at the life of Eve and use the question in the message today, why Eve, why Satan chose Eve for the the weaker link that he could reach into the Garden of Eden and cause a destructive act that would change the entire world in the very beginning of creation. And as we think about that, you know, I read a story once about a, a traveler who was walking or wading across the river at the, at where it forded, where it wasn't very deep. And as he was riding, or walking across, about halfway across, he heard a thundering racket and he looked around and here came five horsemen just flying in towards his direction. And as they grounded around him there in the water and he was thinking, what in the world is going to happen to me now? As they began to question him, where are you headed? And he began to share in some sort of reach inside, come sort of way. I'm going to thus and so place the other side of the river. And so he began to summons the faces of the five. And he looked at the man in the middle and he said, Sir, could I ride behind you the rest of the way across the river? And he obliged him. He got on the horse with him. He rode to the other side. And as he got off of the horse, the rider looked at him. He said, I want to ask you a question. How come you chose me to be the one that you would ask to ride when you felt like you were in danger of all? He simply said, I looked into your face and I saw a caring expression. And I felt like if I just asked for help, that you would give it. Now we perceive that in our lives every day. As people look at us, as we don't have to say a word in order for someone to summons where we stand in life. How we perceive the happiness that we need to have. How that we see about the joy that God wants us to have. How that our prayer life can literally reflect through our reflection, if you please. And how that we ought to be thankful and that ought to be very evident in the life of every child of God. And so we look back at the story of this lady that Satan looked into the face of Eve and did he see something of doubt? Was it because that he knew that Eve did not have a first-hand encounter and a word from God? I don't believe, as the Bible would relate it to us, that she did. I believe that Adam was the one probably that that told Eve about the fruit that they should, should not eat in the garden. And so what happened? Satan saw a, a missing link in a sort of life, a sort of faith, a sort of countenance that he could see a crack in and that he could get inside and touch the very doubts that she may well have had in her heart. 
We live in a world that we want to know. We want to have the evidence. And you can go through the Bible and find so many people. Well, there was the doubting Thomas we spoke about in Sunday school class. Thomas did not have firsthand the fact that Jesus had risen. The others had seen. The others had seen the pierced side, the nail-scarred hands. But Thomas, he had secondhand information. He could not rely on that surely of what man had said. Now, if God told me, have you heard that before? If God directs me, if God says to me, if God wants me to, he'll tell me. But Thomas said, unless, unless I hear it from God, unless I see it in, with my own eyes, unless I can touch the side, the pierced side, or see the nail-scarred hands, I can't believe that he has risen. But when he saw, he believed. Would Eve been less a target for Satan had she have been told by God that they shouldn't eat of the tree of the fruit in the garden that was a tree of good and evil? I'm not sure. But as we look at the story, we can see that we know that it is important for us to hear. And you know, I hear people say, I can't hear God. I haven't heard God for so long and I wished he would talk to me. My goodness, child of God. If you read your Bible this week, you talked to God. If you read your Bible in the last day or so, you heard God in a very audible way. And he's so desperately wanting to talk to his children and we don't listen enough. We do not let God answer questions for us wipe away doubts in our lives that we may have about things. But Eve was partly right when, when Satan said, God said you mustn't eat of any of the trees in the garden. Oh, no, 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 you got it wrong, Satan. No, what God said was, you can't eat of this particular tree, the tree of good and evil. And so Satan, seeing that Eve had a little bit of knowledge about God and his will for her life and her and her husband Adam's life, and so Satan went in another direction. I want you to listen to directives that Satan has and it has not changed in 6,000 years or however many it's been. He began then to question the very divinity of God, the, the, the very honorableness of God that man needs to have. And so he questioned with a question that discredited God. God knows, Satan said, that in the time that you eat of the tree of good and evil, you shall become like gods. And I'm not sure about how that's written in the Bible, but that like gods ought to be little g. And so Eve saw that the tree, it was an apple, wasn't it? You don't know, and I don't either, but I like to think it was a big, red, juicy-looking, pretty, shiny apple. And she saw that it was good to eat. It surely would be good to eat. What would it hurt? One little apple. What will it hurt? One little sin. What will it hurt? Nobody can see. She took of the fruit of the tree of good and evil and she took a big bite. And it was sweet. And it was bitter. And it was good. And it was juicy. Oh, Adam. You know what you told me about what God said about that tree over yonder? Come here, I want to show you something. Right in front of him, and it makes, you know, it makes your taste buds kind of like 
swallow up a little bit. Look here, and took another bite, probably. And Adam saw. She didn't fall dead. But God has said, you'll die. Well, that must be a little bit of question. Now, Adam's got questions about God. Eve's not dead, so he too took a bite of the fruit. And all of a sudden, sin had become so rampant in the world in the midst of just two people that the world can see the reflection of it in your life and mine today as we become disobedient to the word of God and distracted by Satan himself to try us to try something that's not right. And so the Bible says that all of a sudden they were naked. And what I believe that is saying, they become so stripped before God, so unclothed with the righteousness that God had in mind for them. They sewed fig leaves together and made an apron or made some clothing, trying to hide themselves. Then God searched for Adam, especially Adam, I want you to know. No reflection on the worth of the woman. But God had said to Adam, his first creation, that man who he had put into the world to declare God's glory and to be the seed of mankind, the seed of a family that would increase for God's glory and become his children to glory in himself. They hid themselves in the garden. And I don't, they must have known they was hiding from God because there wasn't anybody else. Adam, oh Adam, where are you? I can't find you, Adam, and yes, he could. But he was wanting a response from from Adam. He was wanting something to be said because of what had just been done. And Adam said, Lord, we have eat of the tree of the good and evil. And we was afraid and we hid ourselves. How many times has it been in your life or even in my own life that we've hid ourselves from the presence of God and impossible, the stories that we find in in the Bible of, of Jonah trying to hide himself, run from God. It was a futile effort that Jonah spent and it ended up in a whale of a mess. And you will end up in a whale of a mess if you try to hide from God. Anything that you have, you are an open book before Almighty God and He knows, He feels, He sees, and He hears what you say without saying anything whatsoever. God knows you. But I think about Eve again. Why Eve? Why Eve? What signal did she send out that made her an easy target? What signals do we give to Satan today that makes us an easy target for Satan to try to slip in? You know, in a place in the Bible, it's talking about the church and I even know where Satan sits. Heaven forbid that Satan has a place in this church this Sunday morning. The Bible says he'll creep in unawares. And it's sometimes not as dramatic as you might think. It's not that he shows up on your porch or in your living room with a fork in his hand and a tail on his back. 
he could have a three-piece suit and very attractive. A prince, if you please. A good-looking guy. A good-looking, angelic sort of something that has been so deceived in the lives of so many. Maybe because, as I said, she did have second-hand information. But you and I do not have second-hand information. And you said, but, but he told Adam before he told me. No, we have first-hand information. fact of the matter is, the Bible is that first-hand information. That's what Jesus, that's what God wanted to say, that's what he said to his son as on the cross. He made it possible for us to hear God, to know God's will and to follow and to be spirit-led and did he talk in an audible voice still today? Is the first-hand information a, a, a long and audible voice that Moses heard as the bush began to burn? As the kind of experience that Paul had on the Damascus Road, he heard a voice? I want you to listen to the voice of Jesus. Yea, rather, blessed are you or they that hear the word of God and keep it. Jesus just talked out loud. Did you hear him? Don't let anybody hear you say you haven't heard God lately because this Sunday morning, February the 7th, 2016, God just talked out loud to you and he just said, blessed are you if you hear and if you heed. What a Wonderful thing it is to know God in a very wonderful sort of way. As I uh, was looking in the Bible, I found a little note that I had stuck in the corner and I hadn't seen it for a while. I want to share it with you and I wished I'd have written it, but I didn't. It was entitled The Rosebud Story. It's only a tiny rosebud, a flower of God's design. But I cannot unfold the pebbles with these clumsy hands of mine. The secret of unfolding flowers is not mine to know such as I. God opens the flowers so gently, then in his hands they die. If I cannot unfold the flower, the flowers of God's design, then how can I have the wisdom to unfold this life of mine? So I'll put in him for leading each moment of every day. And I'll look to him for guidance each step of the pilgrim way. The pathway that has been before me, only my heavenly father knows. I'll trust him to unfold the moments just as he unfolds the rose. May God unfold the rose of your life the way he wants to. And he will if you just be submissive to his will. And Jesus declared again, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Let's be among those that hear, but let's also be among the, the ones that heed and that keep and that do and that desire to let God's will be known in their lives. So hearing the word of God is somewhat like John put it so well in John, the first chapter and the 14th verse. 
The word became flesh and dwelt among us even today. The glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That was Jesus, alive in the world. And still today, by way of the Holy Spirit, is alive in your life as a child of God. But maybe, just maybe today, that you have not got that part worked out yet in your life. I simply asked you, are you a child of God? Have you been to the cross of Calvary and seen what Jesus Christ did for your life? What a wonderful thing it is to know Jesus as personal Savior. I heard a, a preacher once say and had a sermon entitled, It's a terrible thing to fall in the hands of a terrible God. But I turned that around and say, It's a wonderful thing to fall into the hands of a loving God. Have you been there in your life? If you're here today and have not been saved, I want you to ask Jesus to come into your heart. But I don't have a greatest desire, as great a desire as God does because his son wants to say, come to the throne of grace and obtain mercy and find help in your need of salvation for your soul. Because you see, that opportunity will pass one day. The opportunity to do what God wants you to do will end. Maybe we need to do something today that tomorrow would not afford us the opportunity. What is that? To make a commitment as a child of God to Jesus? To do whatever he wants you to do? And I'm going to ask you to do this simply this morning as we stand in a moment. You may be here today and you need to do something for God, but it's a big order. It's a tall call to be so bold in the spirit that we might need to walk forward and make that commitment. I want to ask you this morning, if you have a feeling in your heart that you need to do something for the Lord, you might want to just reach over and you don't have to say a word, but take the hand of a friend beside you. And by doing that, you're saying, I need to go, but I need you to go with me. Whatever that need is today, let's do it for Jesus' sake because he so loves you that he gave his life, that you could have this opportunity to be saved today, to be reconciled to God. What is that need in your life as we pray? Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you today for your love that we can know. I thank you today, Lord, that you loved us so much that you gave your life that we could have this hope far beyond this world. That, Lord, the joy is here, but it's hereafter. The prayers will end, but the pleasant surprise of heaven will come. The blessedness of believing will bring about the glorious life throughout eternity if we've trusted you as Savior and Lord of our lives. Let this invitation be to all that need to hear and need to heed to your call. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen.